God, thank you that in every situation, uh, you are true and you love us. And I pray that we rest in your consistency, in your power, and your grace. Thank you for everything you're doing and you're about to do. Amen. Amen. I think I'm on. I, I haven't been able to say this in a while, but you can be seated. I forgot what to do. I'm used to having Julie six feet in front of me, and she's who I've been preaching to for three months. So she is extremely glad that we're back a little bit. So I'm going to say what Josh said. Welcome home. I'm saying that to you in here. I'm saying that. I'm pointing at the camera because back in the family worship area, we have some people. Welcome to all of you. All the people who are online, um, we're still going online. I don't know if you know this, but we've had um, average about twice as many people total during this pandemic for joining our church. Our attendance doubled during this time, many, many times. Um, and it's interesting because we have people from all over watching here. We have some, we have a couple Iowa people. We have, every once in a while, we have a, an, a, a Korea and Indonesia kind of thing. There, well, I don't know if they have translators or what they're doing. I know that um, Betty is watching in Alaska. Hi, Betty. Everybody say hi to Betty. Hi, Betty. She's been watching in Alaska. That's exciting. And it's amazing that we're able to do this. We even today have people outside um, watching who are not ready to come in yet. Perfectly okay. They have audio only, which is actually the best deal. You guys got to look at me. And it's like, it's like the lights to get the video working. I was like, oh my goodness. Now for a moment of reflection. And I do this and the camera changes the color and everything else. But we are thrilled to be able to gather together no matter how you're joining us today. It's just a great thing. We really are Journey North anywhere. So, um, happy Father's Day. In case you didn't know that, happy Father's Day. Um, just in case the gas stations are open afterwards, you can stop and pick up a present if you forgot. Um, no big deal there. Um, we are starting a new series today. It's a new series with a question. And it's a question on so many people's minds all around the world. What happens next? So we're going to look at that today because I have heard so many people say, it just feels so weird like we're in limbo all the time. We never know. And it's like we get, we get updates continually about what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to change this. And it's like we just get everything set and we get a new eight-page update saying, now you have to do this. And so we, it's just like we're in limbo. We are in a weird time. 2020 hasn't treated the world very well so far yet has it um, and right now for instance leaders are still in the really tough spot of determining which is worse like an out-of-control virus or an economic fallout from trying to slow the spread of that virus and it's like no matter what you choose half of the people are mad at you and you know we've seen all the social upheavals in the last few weeks going on over the problem of racism we touched on some of that last week at the outdoor service so many things are happening so many things happened because of this schools went online all of a sudden everybody was a homeschooler and I know some are like, this is great, and the rest are, this is why some species eat their young. We're not <laughs> doing this anymore. We, speaking of eating, uh, we haven't been able to really eat out hardly at all until recently. Uh, I know that many jobs, many had their jobs put on hold. I know a lot of people lost jobs because of what's going on and everything, and I we're just waiting. I feel like we're in this holding pattern and nobody knows what's going to happen, what's next, and we all want to know what happens next. So are you ready for the answer to that? Yes. 
I have no idea what happens next. I don't have the answers in terms of how things go with this virus, with the economy, with the unrest we're seeing, or whatever else we might face in 2020 and beyond. You know, murder hornets, I don't know what else is coming. We've had all kinds of things. Nobody knows that. I did, however, I, got, I read a quote this week. Um, this is actually my pastor quoting something. So I'm actually quoting a quote. Um, but many of you will be familiar with this. In the movie The Lord of the Rings, there's a moment in the book too. There's a moment where Frodo complains about all the evil and all the pain in the world. And he says to Gandalf, I wish none of this had happened. And many of you may have said the same thing during this time that we're living in. I wish none of this had happened. Gandalf wisely responds to Frodo and says, so do all who live in such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that's given us. And all you have to do is decide what to do with the time that's given you. So we don't have all the answers. We don't know what's happening. Nobody does. But I do have a perspective on the future and how to prepare for it. So you interested in that? Let's move ahead. Here's how we're going to do this. We're going to approach this by answering three big questions today. Very briefly, three big questions for the time we're living in, for this crazy time we're living in as we look around here's the three big questions the first one is this what in the world's going on <laughs> what in the world is going on the answer may surprise you although I hope it doesn't the answer is exactly what the Bible said would be going on that's the answer and I hope that's not too surprising I think too many people believe that everything is supposed to like go right you know, to be rosy, you know, rainbows and unicorns and everything's good. And they're shocked when things go differently than they had planned. It wasn't supposed to be this way. And I was, what, was it supposed to be perfect? Jesus said this. He was questioned by some of his disciples about, you know, what's happening next. When is this end stuff going to happen? What's gonna... And here's what Jesus said 2,000 years ago in Matthew 24, starting in verse 6. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. I love that. All I can hear is the, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Don't panic, you know, don't forget your towel. Bring your towel. If you don't know what that is, you just think I'm crazy and that's perfectly okay. Jesus says, don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Now you have to take note, he's not saying the end's not coming. He's saying, when you start to see these wars and threats of wars, he says, yeah. He said, it's coming. It won't happen immediately, but it is coming, though. And then he goes on. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. And I'm reading this like, great. <laughs> That's just the start. You know, what comes after that? And then he continues in verse 9. Then you, who's he talking to? When he says you, he's talking to believers, to his disciples, to follower of Jesus, followers of Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus, he's talking to you. He's saying, then you, all of these things are going to happen. He says, then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world. Why? 
because you are my followers. I remember reading this for the first time as a kid, thinking, yeah, pff, people aren't going to hate Christians. We're the good guys. People love Christians. We're always loving people. We're always doing good things. We're always helping. The world's not going to hate Christians. And in the last 20 years, I've watched the world turn. And all over the world, there are people hated for one reason, because they're Christians. The most persecuted group in the world. Do you realize hundreds and often thousands of people every single day around the world are killed for one reason? They're Christians. You say, well, I'm not seeing that in the papers. Nope. I can guarantee you this. If as many people were killed as Christians are killed for any other reason, it would be headlines 24 hours a day, seven days a week. People would be marching. People would have GoFundMe pages. Don't get me going on that. <laughs> the problem, the problem is we're Christians. We love Jesus. We love people. Why should we be hated? Because Jesus said we would be, just like his followers would be. He says many, many who, who were followers, he said many will turn away from me because of all that's going on. They'll turn away from me and, and betray and hate each other. And I remember as a kid thinking, Christians aren't going to hate each other. Here's a little assignment for you. Go to Google and think of something Christian and search for it. And you'll find a couple interesting good answers. And then you'll find 20 people who believe it's their calling from God to take down other Christians, to take down their ministries. They're horrible. None of the people saved in their church are going to heaven. And just, the hate that's spewed is incredible. And these people are, are saying that they're Christians. Jesus said 2,000 years ago that was going to happen. He said they will hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. They have to be careful there. Because Jesus was not saying if you, you know, buck up and you're really tough and you make it to the end, you're going to be saved. That's not what he said. Because salvation is not by hanging on. Salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus. Always has been, always will be. You can't do anything to merit it or earn it. It's all Jesus. What he's saying here is during that time as we approach the end, the goal is really just going to be to hang on. And saved there actually means delivered. You're going to be delivered through it. If you can make it to the end, it's going to be so bad. He says, verse 14, And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. And as I was reading this this week, I realized, well, that's very interesting because in the last three months, there have been a hundred and some nations that have had the gospel in churches online that never had the gospel in their place before. Because of this, millions of people are hearing the good news. And it's interesting because Jesus says the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. Guess what? All nations are hearing it really for the first time in the last 2,000 years. That's what's been happening. And then the end will come. So when he says then the end will come, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to be walking around town with a sandwich board sign that says, the end is near, you know. <laughs> Repent or burn. I'm not going to be doing that. Here's what I do know, though. The end is certainly nearer than it was. 
and we see the signs. What are the signs? Jesus told us what the signs would be. Wars and threats or rumors of wars. You can't open, I was going to open a newspaper. You probably can't open a newspaper anyhow. You can't go online and look at the news or watch news without hearing about wars. Rumors of wars, threats of wars, realigning of nations. Today this nation is in league with this nation. Tomorrow they're against that one. And we see that jockeying for position. We see the famine and the hunger that Jesus talked about. We see earthquakes and other natural occurrences happening more frequently and in places that we haven't seen them before. Persecution of Christians. I told you about that. There's a, there's a, a, uh, there's a place called Voice of the Martyrs. Um, they have a website. They have some stuff. It's fascinating to read the stories. It's, it's sad and scary to see what's happening and how it's being ignored all over the world as Christians are persecuted, driven from their homes, driven from their villages, having their stuff burned, their, their, their families killed. It's just it's mind-boggling. Jesus said there would be a departing from the faith, apostasy, people who believed starting to kind of drift away to become more like the world. He said there would be an increase in wickedness and sin and evil and hate. Anybody seen any of that recently? Love, he said, would grow cold. We're seeing these things. The Adams family, yeah, the Adams family, uh, we're doing a, an online Bible study together. Um, my oldest um, got uh, interested in the book of Revelation. He said, can we do an online Bible study in the book of Revelation? And so all of the Adams family gets on you know, either Zoom or FaceTime or something on, on one night a week. And, and we're going through as a family the book of Revelation together. And uh, we're somewhere near five or six. And in Revelation 6, John, the author, um, tells us about a scroll that's sealed with seven seals. So you got a picture, big long sheet of paper, and they roll it up, that's a scroll. And so what they would do is they would, they would, it would be rolled up and there would be a seal of wax put on there. And then roll up a little farther, another seal of wax. Roll up a little farther, another seal. So that this scroll had seven seals. And the, you know, one on the outside. And you had to break the seal to read what was there, but you didn't know what else was there until you broke the next seal. And so in Revelation, these seals are broken. There are seven seals, but the, the first four are, if I say what they are, you'll be familiar at least with the title. These are the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And when you hear that word apocalypse, that's the end. And it brings to, to mind, you know, uh, I just think of movies where everything is coming to an end. It's like the apocalypse. They say that. It's like the apocalypse. You know what apocalypse means? Revealing. When the Bible says the revelation of Jesus Christ, it's the apocalypse. It's the unveiling of Jesus. Here's Jesus. That's what it's talking about. But these so-called four horsemen of the apocalypse, let me just tell you, see if any of this sounds familiar. The first one is a rider on a white horse, and he goes forth to conquer. It's about taking over. It's about winning. It's about conquering. The, the rider on the red horse incites violence and war. And these horsemen get people to do this, inciting violence and war. The rider on a black horse turns economies upside down. That's just happened worldwide. I'm saying economies turned upside down. The, I, not the rider on a black horse. <laughs> just, that's one of the things he does. The fourth is the rider on a pale horse brings hunger and disease, natural disasters. And I look at those things. It's like, holy cow, we're kind of seeing a little bit of that. 
See, there's this debate gone on for 2,000 years about whether or not these passages refer to the time period right after Jesus died and rose again during that first century, you know, like until Jerusalem's destroyed in 70 AD, whether they're talking about that and what happens during that time period or whether they're talking about a future time when John writes this. I believe, personally, most of the book of Revelation is literal. It's talking about a time in the future that hasn't yet happened. It's a time still future. It could be a thousand years from now. It could be this afternoon, but it's still a future time. But I believe that there are implications of what was predicted that stretch through this age that we're in right now, this church age. I believe many of those things Jesus talked about started then. And what's happening now is they're ramping up. And what it'll do is it'll get more, I should go this way, it'll go more and more and more. When it gets to the end, it won't be doing this. It'll go whoosh like this. And they'll know that that's the end. But when we see that and we see what Jesus talked about and we see that it's increasing and it's going to happen repeatedly until Jesus comes again, then what we see shouldn't be surprising. What we're seeing in the world should not surprise us. We're seeing exactly what the Bible said we were going to see. So that's the first one. Here's the second question. Does God have a plan? Because we can look and see that things seem a bit chaotic, a little bit out of control, and we can see what's going on in our world and wonder, does God have a plan or a purpose in all this? What in the world? And here's the answer absolutely and he is working it out right now that's what the Bible teaches see God doesn't have to cause the chaos to be um, have all this bad and crazy God doesn't have to cause that to be sovereign as the sovereign Lord of the universe he is working in and through all of it something bad happens I don't have to say God did that no but God can take that and use it one of the best passages on that is from Romans 8, and I know a lot of people will know if I read it in the traditional version. I want to read it in a message paraphrase just because I, don't, I want you to hear it a little bit fresh and, and not just be so familiar with it that you hear it and it's like, yeah, yeah, yada, yada. Listen to what he says. I like how it starts. Meanwhile, meanwhile, back at the ranch, listen to this next line. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting... Anybody tired of the waiting? I am so over that. But he said, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside, helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs and aching groans, the things we can't even express. I can't tell you how many times in the last few months there's been things that's like, I don't even know what to say. I'm so tired of this. I know that the Spirit's right there translating my goofiness to God. It says He knows us far better than we know ourselves. He knows our pregnant condition. Now stop. I know you're thinking, what? <laughs> what? I'm happy to announce that I don't know. <laughs> That's just COVID-19 <laughs> staying in the house more than I should. Um, here's what that means. Pregnant condition means there's more than meets the eye. And things are going to happen. 
And you don't know it because he knows you better than you know yourself. He knows you that what's happening right now is going to birth something. Something's going to happen. He knows this, and it says he keeps us present before God. Because the important thing in all this, especially what we're going through right now, is we have to be connected to him. And the Spirit can keep us connected before God, present before him. And in the end, that's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. We can be sure of that. He takes all the stuff that's happening, all the stuff we see, all the stuff we're going through, and he can take that and work it into something good in our lives of love for God. Every detail. That's what God does. He works through those things. We can't see it usually when it's happening, but we can look back and say, yeah, look what God did. You realize God is saving more people and, the collect and collecting them into his family through all this chaos than at any time in recent history. Millions of people are coming to Jesus because tens of thousands of churches were forced to go online and all of a sudden people said, well, I didn't want to go, but I'll watch. And they get connected. You realize in the first three or four weeks when we took, when we kept record, after that it was like we're just trying to keep our head above water, but we kept a little bit of record in the front and through journeying our church in the first three or four weeks, 30 people came to Jesus. That's happening all over the world. That's happening everywhere. God is equipping the church, the big C church, to share his love and his truth in ways that were never dreamed of in the past. And people are coming to Jesus. God is sanctifying and cleansing us for eternity in heaven. He's working on us in the middle of all this. And then, when the time is right, when his time is right, Jesus is coming again to fix it all. Nobody knows when. We just know that it's soon. Here's how it's described in 2 Peter. Peter describes it this way, chapter 3, starting in verse 10. But when the day of God's judgment does come, it's not here yet, but when the day of God's judgment does come, it will be unannounced like a thief. It's not like, here I am, everybody get ready. I think of like on Facebook. Somebody's on Facebook like 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and, they, and they're going to get off it because it's messing with their lives. So what do they do? They announce it. I'm getting off Facebook. How about this? Get off. You don't have to say anything. When Jesus comes back, he's not going to say, okay, get ready. I'm coming. He's going to come like a thief, it says. The sky will collapse with a thunderous bang. Everything disintegrating in a huge conflagration. I like that word. Earth and all its works exposed to the scrutiny of judgment. It's just not talking about the physical, the planet thing that we see. It's talking about the works, the things that people have spent their lives building because they thought they were so important. It's going to be all just laid open. And so many people are going to realize, I spent my whole life climbing the corporate ladder, and when I got to the top, I realized the ladder was leaned up against the wrong building. He says, since everything here today might well be gone tomorrow, do you see how essential it is to live a holy life? Daily expect the day of God, eager for its arrival. We should live with that expectation because it can be at any moment, he says. The galaxies will burn up. The elements melt down that day, and I like this, but we'll hardly notice. 
You know why? He says, we'll be looking the other way. We'll be looking forward, not back. Ready for the promised new heavens and the promised new earth, all landscaped with righteousness. Because we have something to look forward to. So none of this surprises God. And none of this should surprise us either. He's working in and through it right now to accomplish His purposes. So for us today, here's the real question. Once you see the answer to those first two questions, this is the biggest question of all today, the most important. How can I align with God's purposes? How can I? You see, I read the end of the Bible. I read the final chapters. Jesus wins. And if we're on his side, we win. That's how it all comes together. So you say, well, I want to be on his side. How do I get on his side? I have so many people say, I want to be on his side. I believe in God. And when I hear that, it's like, mm, good start. <laughs> but that's not enough. So what do you mean it's not enough? I believe in God. Guess what? The devil believes in God. And he ain't going to heaven. It's not enough to believe in God. So how? How do we get on Jesus' side? First, repent of sin. It's a big, it's like a fancy biblical word when we hear it. We have all these connotations. Forget all those connotations. Think this. I'm facing this way. I'm looking and holding on to this. I'm going to let it go, and I'm going to turn and face this way and hold on to this. That's repentance. I've changed my viewpoint from here to here. I've changed what I'm holding on to and trusting into and doing here, and I'm doing this. I'm letting go of all this, and I'm grabbing hold of Jesus. That's what it means. It means turn around. Face Jesus, something different. Repent of sin. Receive Jesus as your Savior is the next thing. And that's not just, yeah, I believe. Jesus came, yeah, yada, yada. It's Jesus came and lived a sinless life for me. He died on the cross willingly to pay for my sin. He rose again for my justification. He, he went to heaven and he's coming back someday for me. That's believing and receiving Jesus as your own. That's how we have a relationship with God, through Jesus. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. So we repent of sin, we receive Jesus as our Savior, and then we live like it. We live like we're looking for Jesus to appear. We trust him, and if we trust him, he said he's coming, and so we live like that, and in the meantime, we spread the word. Life's short. Eternity's long. Don't get that one wrong. We spread the word. You know, those verses we read in 2 Peter, right after those verses, verses 14 and 15 say this, And so, dear friends, while you are waiting... What a great description of what's happening right now. While you are waiting for these things to happen, what things? All the things that begin to lead us to the end. While you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort, because it's not easy. It does take some work. Make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. That's how we should be found living. We should be found in this age that is characterized by hate and violence and all kinds of other things. We should be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight, doing the next right thing. It says, and remember our Lord's patience. 
and I like that. His patience, what it's talking about is his patience in delaying his return because that passage is talking about Jesus coming back. He's delaying. God's delaying that return for a reason. Jesus says he gives people time to be saved. If you're a follower of Jesus already, you've turned from your way, you've turned from your sin and turned to Jesus, you're trusting in Him and His way, you've received Him as your Savior, then let's live like we believe it. Let's live like we believe that we really are looking forward to Jesus returning. And let's tell others. And if you're one who hasn't taken that step yet, today's your day. You're with us here. You're with us online. You're in the back. You're outside. You're hearing this because God appointed that for you. To hear that this is the answer. He's whispering right now to you, this is why I brought you to listen to this. Maybe Jesus' patience in not returning like this moment is so that you could finally have a relationship with him. He's waiting for you. 2020 could not only be the year of all the weird craziness happening all over the world, it could be the year that you come into a personal relationship with God through Jesus. Say, so yeah, that 2020, how'd you make it through there? I met Jesus. And I trusted in him. And he got me through it. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads as we pray. Father, you know where people are. You know that um, you brought them to, to hear your word and you brought them to respond to you with a yes, whatever it is you're asking them to do. So as, as, as we hear you speaking to us now, Father, whether it's the way we live our lives, the things we focus on, the things that we are doing or aren't doing and you're asking us to change, Father, my prayer is that our answer to you would be yes, that we would live like we do believe you're coming back. And Father, for those who have not yet turn to Jesus. It's been about church or rules or religion or regulations or rituals. Father, help them to see today it's about a relationship with you through your son Jesus. In simple faith, just saying, Jesus, I'm turning from my way and I'm turning to you today. I believe that what you did was for me. I believe that by not only believing but by receiving you, I can come into that relationship with God, that relationship with you. I can have the same power that raised you from the dead flowing through me today. I don't understand all that, but I accept that, Jesus. My prayer is that people all over the world during this would be turning to you, that we would see an incredible revival that we would see um, numbers of people coming to you like we've never seen before. Father, we can, in the midst of this goofiness, thank you because we see you working. We love you. And it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song.
like to say thank you to Jay and his crew and to all of the people that are serving outside and all over the place. Did you know that we have another church in the building today? In that room right there, there's, a, there's online church going out to hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, running, I mean, it's like literally we have two things going on right here, and it's just amazing. Um, God has uh, uh, allowed us to extend our reach, and we are just thrilled to be able to do that. If you're here in the worship center, you can exit through either door. If you are in the family worship area in the back, exit through the doors down there. If you are outside on the patio, you're already outside. <laughs> no need to exit. If you're online and you're home watching, you're on your own. I have no idea what you need to do there. I'd like to thank everybody for joining us wherever and however they did. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all that you've done in us and through us. Thank you that we can be on this, this journey back um, to in-person stuff. And as we, as we navigate these waters, we ask for your wisdom and guidance. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have I told you lately that I love you? <laughs>